Okay, guys, why don't you open up those Bibles to Acts chapter 20. Uh, two weeks ago, we were in this passage where Paul is exhorting the Ephesian elders. And we found that in his, uh, his communication to them, but it's the first time we see him communicating to believers uh, or a speech to Christians in the book of Acts. We found that in this speech, it's helpful to divide it into three portions relating to uh, Paul's past ministry, uh, Paul's future ministry, and the suffering and persecution that he'll go through, and then the present ministry uh, that the elders have in front of them. And so uh, two weeks ago, we looked at the past and the future, and now we're hitting that middle part uh, as we go to uh, verse 28, uh, where there's this exhortation to the elders of what they currently have in front of them as pastors, as elders of the church in Ephesus. Kind of a special uh, week to be going through this. Um, as uh, next Sunday, we're going to be uh, laying hands on three new elders in our church, uh, bringing our number up to seven. And so uh, we're um, excited for that. And so this is just a good message for the elders and also a message for you guys to know what you can expect from the pastors of your church um, and, uh, and the things that you can be praying for them for as they just endeavor to live this out. So Acts twenty twenty eight 28, uh, says, therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. And so we want to pray these things over the leaders of the church and, uh, encourage them in that. And then imitate them in it. Uh, Hebrews 13, 7, in speaking about elders, it says, whose faith follow. You want to be able to follow the faith of your elders. So uh, the elders were to take heed and take care and pay attention to uh, two things. First of all, to themselves. Take heed to yourselves. The minister often neglects his own personal walk with the Lord while focusing on the ministry and pastors need to be diligent in their own spiritual disciplines and examining themselves themselves in that. And um, just thankful for those times that the Lord brings me to those places of examining. And um, this year it was, you know, the New Year's, you know, and just a time of just, hey, what do my times look like privately with Jesus? And what are the hour hours look like um, on my face before him? And uh Sometimes that means rearranging schedule and life and setting that alarm clock forward a bit more uh, so that you can spend those times with the Lord. Um, but there's a diligence in self-examination that is needed in a pastor. The exhortation to have a deep relationship with the Lord, uh, which will turn into deep ministry impact. And as the Lord pours into elders, then they're able to be poured out to the body. There's an old saying that, the, the leaders can't take the people any farther than they themselves are going. And so pray for your elders that they'll have time, uh, first of all, with the Lord. And then as, as they do that, they can take heed to the whole flock, which is that second set where the heed is needed. Take heed to the whole flock. Uh, it's the flock with which we notice the Holy Spirit has made the shepherds uh, overseers of. And so uh, it's the Holy Spirit's work, it's the Holy Spirit's calling that these guys would be shepherds over the flock, a flock that they must take heed to. Um, 
Notice that he's appointed by the Holy Spirit. Entrance into the pastoral ministry is through divine appointment. It's through the calling of the Lord. This fact demonstrates the nature and the worth of pastoral ministry, that the Holy Spirit is over it. Uh, It's valuable because God is in it. God is involved. And we see that the Holy Spirit made these guys overseers. Now, you might underline a few different words as we go through this because we're going to find in this chapter we have the word elder. Uh, we have the, the action of shepherd. We have the phrase overseer, bishop, pastor as you read the New Testament. These are all words that are used interchangeably within the New Testament, within Acts, within Timothy, within Titus. Uh, And so in the New Testament, you might just make a note that these terms, elder, bishop, or overseer, pastor, shepherd, they all speak of the same office. Elder speaks of his spiritual maturity, not necessarily age, although uh, age is good. Age is wonderful when it comes to leadership. Um, The Greek for this is presbyteros for elder presbyteros or presbyter Uh, and so you can start as you think of these things you start thinking of different denominations presbyterian right episcopal as we'll move on you'll notice some of these phrases and it kind of referred to the office of how those churches were formed so elder or presbyteros bishop episkopos in the greek refers to the person's work in the ministry Pastor or shepherd uh, refers to this man's care for God's people. It's the Greek poimen, poimen or pastor. It speaks of his tending the people, shepherding the people, feeding the people. That word pastors is kind of a generic term which describes their role, the role of this individual. Uh, reading Adam Clark this week, he wrote, the persons who examine into the spiritual state of the flock of God and take care to lead them in and out and to find them pasture are termed Episcopal or superintendents. The office of a bishop is from God. A true pastor only can fulfill this office. It is an office of most awful responsibility Few there are who can fill it, and of those who occupy this high and awful place, perhaps we may say there are fewer still who discharge the duties of it. So Clark, you know, uh, centuries ago saying that it's an awful ministry, and that's not a bad thing. Like, oh, it sounds awful, you know, smells awful, you know. Uh, No, it speaks of full of awe. It's a full office. Uh, John Stott wrote uh, Between Two Worlds, The Art of Preaching in the 20th Century, and, and he just writes this incredible chapter about uh, how, you know, it's an office that angels wish they had, you know, the preaching of the word and the right dividing of it. And so the pastoral responsibility, pasture, pastoral, uh, it speaks of the feeding and the tending of that flock as a shepherd, just as in John 21, and because I'm on a crunch with time, I'm not going to read all these verses, but allow me to kind of skim over them for you. As Jesus is restoring Peter and he says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Each time Jesus says, then feed my lambs. 
if you love me, tend my sheep. And then again, if you love me, feed my lambs. And, and that is something we value as a church is that um, deep responsibility of the Lord uh, to tend the sheep and to feed the sheep. Uh, many sermons these days are political in nature, and we especially want to give um, heed to the word and make sure we're preaching the word. Just as Paul said in the previous verses in Acts chapter 20, he's innocent of the blood of all men, and he's not shunned to declare the whole counsel of the word of God. And that's really the heritage of Calvary Chapel. I remember in the final years of Chuck Smith's life, uh, getting to be at a conference with him, and he just spoke to us pastors, and he just said, this is really just like, I am so glad as I go towards the threshold of eternity, I can stand before the Lord and said, I have taught through the Bible multiple times, and I haven't held back anything of the word of God. I've taught it all, and, um, and we want to be those that teach the word, and we're not afraid of the passages. We feed the sheep with the word of God, and as those sheep become healthy from the good diet, healthy sheep beget healthy uh, sheep. Uh, church growth plans are chaff compared to a pastor teaching the word and feeding the sheep, and then they help with that beginning of the healthy sheep. Uh, shepherding has a connotation of ruling, and that's something that kind of begins to tie into the responsibility that you have as a sheep of the flock. As you uh, will look at ecclesiology, there's a great role and responsibility and obligation that members of a local church have uh, to that church to um, serve and know their gifts and to be generous and to be a part of discipleship and the mission movement of the church and so on and so forth. Many things that we've done, many series on here at the church. Uh, and one of those things is that you need to know who your elders are and uh, you need to uh, um, expect things from your elders that they are leading you uh, in an Acts chapter 20 fashion or a First Peter 5 fashion as we'll get there. Um, but also that you need to be leadable as sheep and you need to be willing to be led as sheep shepherding has the connotation of ruling and that's a strong word in our day i'm just using the words that the lord uses in the scripture uh, and so like in matthew 2 6 <clears throat> we see this prophecy of jesus from micah you bethlehem in the land of judah are not the least among the rulers of judah for out of you shall come a ruler who shall shepherd my people Israel. And so in leadership and within a local church, shepherding has the connotation of ruling. And of course, we're going to see in a little bit, that's just under the chief shepherd, Jesus. He's the one that that's speaking of there in Matthew chapter two. Um, but in his leadership structure, he as the chief shepherd appoints under shepherds uh, to lead underneath him and to lead his people and to take care of his people as he is at the right hand of the father right now. Um, Hebrews 13, 7 and Hebrews 13, 17 said, remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow considering the outcome of their conduct. And so it's really good as sheep to remember your shepherds, to be praying for your shepherds, um, who speak the word of God to you, who are exercising faith in front of you and say, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow those shepherds' uh, faith. Allow them to rule over you and consider the outcome of their conduct. And 
Hopefully that's something that motivates you to follow them. You know, if they're a shepherd that's not worth following because their conduct has bad outcome, you know, in, in a moral sense, uh, then that might be time to look for another church, you know. Um, but the same chapter there, Hebrews 13, you can look at verse 17. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief for that would be unprofitable for you. And so again, remember those who rule over you, obey those who rule over you in that obedience, their submission, which just means to line up under in authority, to line up under is what that word means in the Greek. And why would you do that to the leaders in the church? It says there that those, those rulers watch out for your soul. You know, biblical elders, servant leaders, pastors who tend and protect and feed. You know, man, if they're following Jesus, they are servant leaders. They're not ruling with a rod of iron. They are ruling from underneath and by serving and saying, let's go, guys. Let's follow Jesus. Let's obey the scripture. Let's walk in holiness. Let's be about the kingdom. And as we're leading by example and we're just stirring you up towards obedience of the Lord, we're doing that with an eye of your salvation, with an eye for your eternity. We're watching out for your souls. And there's an old saying, you know, that the sheep bite sometimes. And sometimes that's true. You know, there's a lot of good pastoral um, uh, uh, pasture metaphors that come in play. If you spend any time working with sheep or if you spend any time herding cattle, and working cattle, and it can just be so frustrating working these cattle, and it's so fun working with these ranchers that they have cattle that they're like, oh, there's number 217, I love that girl, you know, she just walks right where she needs to go, and goes right through the alley, and right through the chute, and she's just good calving, and she's not going to kick you, and she's not going to charge you, and she's not going to make you jump over the fence, and you know, and then there's number 61, you know, 61, like I'm pretty sure she has like canine teeth coming down, you know. And she growls when you walk by her, you know, and she's just chasing you and you're, you learn how to be a good pole vaulter and a good hurdler getting over those corrals. And, you know, it's like number 61, like what's, what's going to happen to 61, you know, the next time the, the truck to the um, auction yard, you know, or the feedlot comes by, she's on it, right? You know, so as shepherds and as ranchers, like we want to be able to take care of our stock with joy not with grief. What are we going to do with her? You know, and some of you are like, yeah, but I'm a good caver. You know, I got the canine teeth, but you know, I don't do my share around here. It's like, well, we'll keep you around, but it's going to be rough on everybody. Right. Um, so, so let us do so with joy and not with grief for that would be unprofitable for who? For you. I just remember when I was a new youth pastor, there was this kid, Ken, and he loved the former youth pastor in front of me, uh, before me, just loved this guy, had such a good relationship with him, and when, uh, when that guy moved on and I became the youth pastor, Ken had such a hard time um, just receiving me and bringing me on, and uh, Ken, he was this redheaded kid that um, was a thespian and was involved in the theater of his school, and he always spoke in a Scottish accent, like Everywhere he went, Scottish accent, everyone's like, hey, you know, and, uh, but he would just be so critical of me, and he just, Christian did this, our former youth pastor did this, Christian did that, and, uh, and as I would 
speak, you know, and I would teach, he would just, just roll his eyes and, and I would crack a joke as youth pastors do, not senior pastors, though they don't joke from the pulpit, you know, and, uh, and he would just from the back, crikey, you know, or whatever it is that Scottish people say, and, uh, and like, oh, he was, and he comes up to me after service, he goes, you know when you tell it, whatever, Scott, you know when you tell a joke, and nobody laughs, it means you're not funny, you know, and I'm like, oh, you know, and I just was reading in Hebrews that week, and I was like, oh, this is a verse I got to share with this guy, and I just said, man, I love you, Ken, like, I just want to be a, your friend, and help disciple you, and point you to Jesus, and like, I love you, and I just feel like, man, you hate me, and you're just making this miserable on me, and I dread being around you because you're just cruel to me and critical. Every time I see you, I just know you're going to be critical of me. And it just makes me not want to be around you. And you got to know, I pray for your soul. So you need to know, I'm going to be okay. But you're the one that I, I represent you before the Lord here as your shepherd. And like, I just want to challenge you, be careful. And, I'm just, and it was just really amazing because he received that. And we became really good friends. He ended up humbling himself a few weeks later and apologizing. And then we became friends. And now uh, he's down in Hollywood, actually, and he works on commercials and stuff. He's, on, he's, a, he's like a, a Scottish warrior in commercials and stuff. It's so funny. And um, Scottish accent and everything. And, uh, and he's living for Jesus. It's so cool. But um, it would be unprofitable for you if you made it unbearable on your pastors uh, to be leaders of you. An elder or a shepherd is to be honored, 1 Timothy 5.17 says. Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. And so here's a, a good proof text of just the financial support of pastors um, as they labor well for the church. Uh, hopefully, if you think of elders, your mind might go to 1 Peter 5. It's a good verse to just know where to reference. Um, those of you that are coming up as elders, this is just a theme verse uh, for your life. 1 Peter 5, 1. The elders who are among you, I exhort. This is Peter speaking. I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. And here's Peter's exhortation to elders. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you. So there's that shepherding, that flock aspect of with sheep and shepherds. What do you do as you're shepherding? You serve as overseers. And so elders are overseers. Elders are servants. And how do they do that? Not by compulsion, but willingly. They don't, it shouldn't be squeezed into doing something. It should be something they're willing to do. Uh, I'm going to kind of touch on these each. I'm, I'm pulling it apart before I want to. I want to just hit the verses first. So, uh, so not by compulsion, but willingly. Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Nor as being lords over those entrusted to you but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. And so we see uh, not by compulsion, but willingly. Uh, don't let shepherding be something that you're forced to do, 
but rather do it willingly. In ministry, we often have a saying that is a big thing is coming up, and it's like, oh, I have to do that. I catch myself to where I don't have to do it. I get to do it. Once you start saying it that way, I get to serve, um, then it, you realize what a privilege it is. It's a get-to thing. Um, like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid on me. Woe, yes, uh, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if it's against my will, I've been entrusted with a stewardship. What is my reward then? That I may preach the gospel, I may present the gospel of Christ without charge, that I may not abuse my authority in the gospel. So he just says, man, I, I don't want to be like forced to preach the gospel. Like it's just such a pleasure and a privilege to preach the gospel, to minister uh, the, the gospel of the Lord to people. We also see for shepherds from Peter, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. It refers us to just showing enthusiasm and interest as we uh, serve the flock. Uh, John 10, the good shepherd passage, sheep and shepherd passage, verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, but a hireling he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves and sheep, uh, the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he's a hireling, and he does not care about the sheep. And so uh, those of you that are coming on as elders, just to have a heart um, of a shepherd, not one of a hireling. We studied that in John. There's actually a little more grace uh, to those people given to those that it, you know, it's not of your fold or you aren't um, in payment for that. And so uh, there's a different level of responsibility. A hireling isn't really a bad thing. It's just someone that needs to determine, hey, is this worth me laying my life down uh, for these sheep? Second uh, Corinthians 2.17, uh, Paul says, we're not as so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, as of from God. We speak in the sight of God in Christ. And so uh, we're not doing it for dishonest gain. We're not doing it like hirelings. At least we pray that we are more shepherds than hirelings. And, uh, and in that, we're not selling the snake oil uh, at the church and just trying to get the money. But rather, we recognize the stewardship of the flock that's been given to us. We also see Peter tells the elders not to be lords over those entrusted, but being examples. And this just speaks towards servant-style leadership, the Jesus style of leadership, uh, that we're servants who uh, we rule with the people, we serve with the people, we're coming under and helping the people. We're not lords over, uh, you know, with the whips, you know, but we're leading by example, and we're leading in humility, and we're leading as servants. And one thing that's a blessing in this for pastors, for elders, for shepherds, for those of you coming on as elders this next week, is that the shepherds will be rewarded. Shepherds will be rewarded. Uh, we see in, uh, that Jesus is the chief shepherd and that when he appears, he, you'll receive a crown for your um, faithful stewardship of the flock uh, as that great shepherd of the sheep comes uh, and returns. Uh, and then we see in 1 Peter 5, 5, likewise, you younger people submit yourself to your elders. So there is that connotation of age there. And that may be speaking of the faith, uh, even younger in the faith, 
Um, as oftentimes we see young guys as pastors and as elders, and they may have been saved longer than uh, older folks in years, um, but they, they're more spiritually mature, uh, even though they may be young. And so likewise, you younger people, there's this connotation of ruling again and submission. Submit yourself to uh, your elders. And so as we hop back over to Acts chapter 20, we see that uh, these elders are to shepherd the church of God. And we see the value of this flock, that he purchased them with his own blood. Uh, we have the reference to the church, shepherd the church of God. The Greek word translated church means called out ones. So the church is the assembly of God's called out ones. Uh, why must they be well taken care of? Because it is the church of God. God owns the church. It is his church. And he purchased that church with his own blood. This is a verse that the cults don't like. That God purchased the church with his own blood. The triune God owns the church, bought God's people, and appoints spiritual leaders. God the Father, we see the Trinity, God the Father in church of God. God the Son purchased the church with his own blood. God the Holy Spirit made elders overseers. In Acts uh, 20, 29, we, we see, For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. So if the flock is fed, but not tended, then they're just being fattened up for the slaughter. <laughs> they're just fat mutton, you know, for the wolves and the coyotes to, to get. So shepherds have this role of watching out for wolves. We see that wolves come into the church, and historically they have come into the church. They dress in sheep's wool, they're, uh, but rather the, they're eating... <laughs> the sheep. And there's a trail of bones that follows wherever the flock goes. Someone once said the difference between a sheep and a wolf in sheep's clothing is their diet. Wolves eat sheep. And it's something that we need to be on guard for as elders. And there have been times in the past where, where we have actually had to call out wolves uh, who came in among us and caused a big problem and a big stir and, and brought doctrinal um, you know, doctrinal heresy into the church, and we've had to call them out from the body, and we've had other struggles that I've even spoken with other pastors in the community, and they're like, man, I think that guy's a wolf, you know, and I'm like, I don't know if he's a wolf, but he really did some damage, you know, and so uh, there's a level of protection and having discernment as people come in, and you know what's good? Isn't it great when, you know, the sheep notice that the wolf is around, and they start running away from the wolf? It's not a bad thing for you guys to notice when there's something fishy about this guy. There's something fishy about this gal. I'm keeping my eye on it because I think there might be something underneath all that wool, you know, and just having discernment and uh, maybe bringing it before the leadership uh, if you have some discernment on some things. And so we search the scripture to, to make sure that anything that's being taught is uh, proper doctrine Jesus himself said in Matthew 7, 15, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravenous wolves. So we see that these wolves come from uh, outside of the church, right? They're savage wolves who will come in among you. And secondly, 
they rise up from inside the church. The NIV speaks to this verse, even from your own number, men will arise. And so it's just something that we constantly are aware of and we're watching out for church splits, for those who rise up opinionated, creating their own little group of disciples, starting their own little private core group so that they can go and murmur against the leadership, starting their own home fellowship, wouldn't, wouldn't be a part of the home fellowships that the church is doing, wouldn't it be a part of the core group that the church is doing, wouldn't be a part of the musters and the things, but they're going to have their own little meetings. And they're going to kind of, oh, we're going to study the word, and we're going to have joy, and we're going to pray for one another, and we're also going to talk about Rory a little bit, the problems that we have with him. We're also going to talk about, you know, that new bunch of elders that just were appointed, and the problems we got with them. And we're going to talk about, you know, the word, you know, and we're just going to kind of murmur and fester, and we're just going to create, you know, we're going to kind of scratch at ourselves and cut ourselves and cause some festering wounds. And then, you know, I'm just telling you right now, those never end well, okay? Always end in, in division, and that's one thing that, you know, maybe there's things that kind of irritate you, but I'll tell you one thing that the Lord hates. It's someone that goes around and causes slander among the brethren. That's a problem, and that's a sin. There's no question about it. There might be some gray areas that we might be able to be like, yeah, I don't know, this is, I think we have, we have precedent in Scripture to, to walk this way as a church, but I'll tell you one thing you don't have any right to do is come in here and cause a church split. Okay, and so uh, and so we're just hearing from Paul like, hey, Ephesian elders, watch out from among yourselves. Watch out for the critical, harsh, opinionated tongue. Uh, one man wrote, if there ever comes a time where you are dissatisfied with the church and you can't support the ministry here, instead of becoming the perverse tongue, humbly bow out. I think that might have been um, from a one of my Pastor Rob's sermons that I wrote that in my notes from. Just humbly bow out. There are other churches in this community that probably are a better fit and flavor for you. But I'll tell you, man, it is a dangerous thing for you to cause a problem where it is not a joy for the shepherds to serve you anymore and you're, you're causing problems within the flock. Um, these wolves, Paul tells the Ephesian elders, distort the truth. Men will arise and distort the truth, the NIV says. The, the LEV translation says, Spe speaking perversion of the truth. They are ab abusive towards God's people. It says they're not sparing the flock. They don't care what happens to the flock in the midst of their problem. Uh, if the flock scatters so that the wolves can take care of them and pick them off, it's not a problem for them. They have their pet issue that they're worried about. Uh, their objective is to win the following themselves, Acts 20, 30 says. Also, from among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. And so their objective is to win a following after themselves. The Christian Standard Bible says, men will rise up even from your own number and distort the truth to lure the disciples into following them. Um, I wish I could say that in almost 14 years of being here that I've never seen this happen. I'm telling you, I've seen it happen many times. It happens within the church. And I just, just resolved like, okay, we're just going to see this from time to time. Um, and uh, I just would say, hey, look at our website, read our statement of faith. And, uh, and if it doesn't jive with you, find a church that does, okay? Um, but let's hit this preemptively and just say, is Calvary the place for me? Well, let's look at their value system. Let's look at, we've, we've got it all on our website. We really have gone painstakingly to explain things. Um, 
And so I, I was reading Adam Clark today where he wrote, uh, to make schisms or rents in the church in order to get a party to themselves, see here the cause of division in the church. The superintendents lose the life of God, neglect the souls of the people, become greedy of gain, and by secular extortions oppress the people. The members of the church thus neglected, oppressed, and irritated get their minds alienated from their rapacious pastors. I had to look up that rapacious, um, and it means to abuse. And I was just thinking there was a, a reel on social media yesterday of a landlord showing up to a house uh, that he was a uh, landlord over and demanding rent from his tenants five days early. And, uh, and he was very rapacious about it. And, and the people were having a two-year-old birthday party at their home, and they're like, can we do this later? And it turned into one of those big, like, just cussing each other out things, you know? And I was like, man, that, that landlord's being very rapacious, you know, in the, in the issue, you know? And it's like, man, um, we, don't, we don't want our elders to be abusive towards the sheep, just beating the flock. And as you work cattle, you know, you're, sometimes you're entrusted with the steward of this thing called a hot shot. And it just prods the cattle. If, if they're moving on their own, there's no problem. You can even go, hey, let's go. Maybe twist the tail a little bit and, you know, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and right now we have our children learning to be stewards with the hot shots, you know, and so we're over at the McKinnons and we're like, okay, only if daddy tells you, you know, and they're practicing on the metal right in front of him, <laughs> you know, and, okay, and they're just like, ready? Are you ready? Now, 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 you know, and, uh, and we're learning gentle stockmanship, right, Teskies? We're like, gentle, right? We want good-tasting beef here, you know? And, uh, and so anyways, it's just so funny because so often elders are just looking for a reason to tase the flock, you know? <laughs> and so maybe I've come a little hard on you guys, like, hey, better not have any problems. And, you know, but hey, that's among the elders too, you guys. We want to be loving, gentle leaders, serving like Jesus. And so... Uh, we don't want to become rapacious pastors. Clark goes on to say, men of sinister views take advantage of this state of distraction, uh, foment discord, preach up the necessity of division, and thus the people become separated from the great body and associate with those who profess to care for their souls and who disclaim all secular views. And so we know that the development did take place in Ephesus where this exact thing happened among their own elders and among their own flock and you read the book of revelation and the letters to the church in ephesus and in thyatira and you see that this happened within paul's lifetime this happened and so uh but the good news is ignatius's letter to the same church a decade or two later shows that they did pay heed to this admonition and were able to uh drive out the wolves we're gonna go ahead and have the worship team come on up and we're just gonna gonna wrap up here as as they come up Therefore, watch, verse 31, and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. The only way to abide in the truth is to watch against evil and for good and to keep in mind the heavenly doctrines that we had originally received. Unwatchfulness and forgetfulness are two grand inlets to apostasy. So watch. Friends. And he was a pastor, Paul was a pastor that served with, with tears. He had a great heart. That's the main qualification of a great soul winner. Someone who has a great heart. Verse 32, so now brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance 
among those who are sanctified. He just goes on to talk about his past a little in verse 33. I've coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Uh, he wasn't worldly minded, physically minded. He wasn't looking to, to fleece the flock, you know. Um, you know, there is a place for generosity of the flock to provide for uh, an elder's needs. Let those who um, are among you make sure that you share in all good things with those who minister, Paul would speak. Um, but that's not for the minister to have an eye for those things. Um, they trust the Lord for their provision. Uh, in verse 34, yes, you, selves, you, selves know that, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who were with me. I've shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's interesting, we don't have that phrase in any of the Gospels, but apparently it was a phrase that was just well known. You know, just like John says, the Lord said and did many other things, but there's not enough books in the whole wide world to write down everything that Jesus said and did. So this might have been one of those things that Paul says, oh, remember when the Lord said it's more blessed to give uh, than it is uh, to receive. And uh, we're going to close there. That's where my notes end today. And why don't we set our things aside and pray. We have a, a beautiful goodbye there with them as they fall on his neck and kiss him as they say goodbye because they were so sorrowful that he had said, you won't see my face anymore. So it was a goodbye among peers. Setting our things aside, you can stand with me. And Lord, as we just uh, kind of breeze through this passage, uh, we pray that you would let it inform us and let it, let good practice come from Acts chapter 20 uh, for the current elders, Lord, for the future elders coming up this week, God, uh, Adam and Perry and Dustin, Lord. Uh, Lord, that, that we would just have these things pressed into our heart, pressed into our mind, and that such good practice would come from uh, heeding and hearing and heeding these words of Paul, these words of Peter. Lord, wherever we're weak or wherever we've fallen short, Lord, strengthen the things that remain. Uh, Lord, that we can tend and feed and protect this flock well. Give us that eye, Lord, of the great crown of life that will be given when you, the chief shepherd, appear. Lord, as we live in a culture that hates submission, uh, we hate being ruled over, we hate authority, uh, we're really cautious on who we let um, just speak into our lives and correct us and lead us. And Lord, that we would have good open hearts to, to your model that you've set up of uh, pastors and elders having that role of being an under shepherd to you, Lord, taking care of the flock. So Lord, wherever there is just some stubbornness, wherever we've become a little long in the tooth as sheep, Lord, that we would uh, just humble ourselves and trust your pattern. Even though there have been abusive husbands, Lord, we know that, that you still have a good heart for um, marriage, uh, biblical marriage, Lord. Uh, even though there have been abusive dictators in the world and government, we know that you still have a heart for us to walk in uh, submission to the, uh, the governing authorities. And Lord, uh, we just pray over our church that you would just protect us from within and from without, Lord. Um, Lord, let us just be shielded by the Holy Spirit as, um, as a flock 
and as an elder team, Lord, and as leadership. And uh, we lift it all up to you for your fame and your glory, the advancement of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys close in song with me? Just as we were closed in there, I just, just felt the Lord um, just give me some compassion for maybe those of you here who have been through very difficult church situations and you've maybe seen that abusive side of pastors and shepherds before and uh, just want you to know just I understand that and the Lord understands that and and I, I wish I could tell you that there's never a danger of that here you got to know we're just men and the best men are men at best you know um, but I just, I just also want you to trust the Lord and give that to him and let him heal you in that and uh, just let him, I think he already has shown you he's worth being trusted in the way that he sets up roles within communities. He's worth being trusted here at Calvary and and, uh, and I just tell you, it'd be by God's grace that we just, we come to when we see Jesus and we just desire him to just say, well done, good and faithful shepherds, pastors, deacons, ministry leaders, you know, and just that we would be those that were regularly before the throne of the shepherd, letting him conform us to his image, that we would be servant leaders, humble, leading by example, and that doesn't mean we don't do the roles that God has for us. And sometimes those roles are tough roles. But in love and for your good and for his glory, um, just let the Lord work healing in you. And I'll just let you know, too, on the other end of things, um, I have major scars uh, in my heart and, and on my body as a pastor. I've, I've been kicked by cattle and I've been kicked by sheep, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, to where, you know, there's times I've been, I've, I've had pastors say, you know what, I just don't have friends anymore within the church because I find that they'll turn on me. And, and I, I just say, man, I understand that. I just can't get there. <laughs> um, for me, I'm so often just like, that's worth being wounded by friends, you know, within the church. And, but, you know, it, it's, it happens. I probably would say I've been wounded more than you have. Okay, um, but all that to say, we know who God is, we know who we are, we know who God's called us to be as a church and as a community, we trust the Lord, we let him heal, we bear with one another and we forgive one another, because that's the way that Jesus has done it for us. And so there's a line in what we just saying that says, um, find healing in his sacrifice. We just look at what he has done as the shepherd and his leadership and we just let him heal those wounds. Amen? Amen. Amen. By God's grace, we'll make it to the end. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, you guys, by God's grace, we'll make it to donut. It's donut time. Go get your kids. Come hang out in the uh, fireside room. Say hi to all those people that have been waiting patiently on us.